Hey, how you doing? My name's Greg Knapp. I'm the Disciple Groups Director at 1122, and this is Leading Well in 7 Minutes or Less. Today on the podcast, we're talking with our ministries pastor, Jonathan Minky. Ready? Let's go. What have you learned from being a pastor, from leading ministries that could help our leaders of Disciple Group? I think that one thing that keeps people from wanting to lead others in discipleship is that they feel like they're not going to have all the answers. One encouragement I would give would be to say, you don't need to have all the answers. Part of what you're doing as a leader of others, especially when you're making disciples, is that you're trying to grow as a disciple yourself. You can almost back that up into a bigger issue of us not wanting to not know things being humble enough to say, you know what, that's a great question. I have no idea, but let's dig in and figure it out. You know, there's really so many tools at our disposal. We can go figure things out in, when it comes to the Bible and discipleship that we could ask somebody else. We could, I mean, Google search, although sometimes that gets a little sketchy. So authenticity really is the key, not expertise. You know, hey, I'm on this journey with you. I just want to grow closer to Jesus. And you'd be surprised at the things that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you as you're pointing other people to him. If you're preparing to teach some, somebody else a topic, you learn it better. You're already thinking about how to say it, but that's especially true in discipleship. When you're reading the Bible thinking, how am I going to explain this? You actually dive deeper into it and you'd be, you should be surprised how much it'll grow your faith. The other thing too, is that it requires a dependence on God. That's the most important thing because what we recognize is that it's not our efforts that's going to produce the result. When the early apostles did miracles and huge crowds gathered and they were put on trial for what was going on, uh, it says in the book of Acts that they perceived that they were just ordinary, uneducated men. And so they marveled at that. So God doesn't always pick the PhDs. He doesn't always pick the, the smartest people. God can still use really smart people too. So movement for all people, right? But when we depend on him, he gives us the words to say, and he, he helps us to point people to him because it's going to be him that does the work anyways. The more you say, I don't know, and I'm going to rely on God, he makes it so you know more, right? What he's going to give you to say is going to be way better than what you were going to say. But on the other hand, we're still supposed to prepare. So you still need to read the Bible and you still need to pray and you still need to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to get to that level, right? But if you're just thinking, I'm going to do it on my own, not only is it not going to be as good, you're really going to kind of push people away because you're going to be kind of arrogant compared to that authenticity we're talking about where people go, oh, good, this is a leader who says he doesn't know either. And we're going to find out together. This isn't a guy that thinks he knows everything. That works really well with people. As leaders, sometimes we get so busy that we slip from our daily time with God. I would love to know, what's your routine? How do you read your Bible? How do you pray each day? Craig Rochelle has this line. He says, my next day starts before my next day starts. The best way to set yourself up for the next morning is to do it the night before. My kids go to bed at this point in their life, 7.30 or 8 o'clock. I usually am starting to wind down through reading or some kind of relaxation, and I'm trying to get to sleep between nine and 10. And so then I wake up in the morning around five. That allows me to have quiet time in the house. Usually my pattern for that Bible time would be, you know, 15 minutes or so in a book because I'm trying to read books. And this would be one that's more discipleship related. 
I've been a big journal guy for a while. So I just write out prayers. I don't do this exact same every day. Sometimes I'll just go straight to the Bible reading. Sometimes I'll do all first. Sometimes the journal comes after the Bible reading, but I always want to make sure there's time in the scripture because I feel like the time in scripture and some time to pray is the most beneficial for me heading into my day in terms of my soul being in the right spot. I will write, I write as if I'm writing to God, it may sound cheesy, dear father or dear Jesus or whatever. And I just start pouring out my thoughts or the things that I'm, I'm worried about or reflecting or thanking him for something that's been happening. What I do in the Bible is based off of what I learned from the daily office. There's a, for a long, long time, the book of common prayer has been something that the church has used as a resource. A lot of people know that the book of common prayer is used for a liturgy service, uh, but there's also a lot of reading plans and monks and monasteries would have these different daily offices that they would have specific set times of prayer and Bible reading. I don't do that at different times of the day, but I base it on the different sections or genres of the scripture. So I usually read something from the Old Testament, uh, something in the Psalms, a gospel, and an epistle. So there's four places I'm reading on a regular basis, and I'll just, I cycle through those gospels. So I don't go start to finish the Bible because I feel like I would just get so bogged down being in Leviticus for three months or whatever it is. I'm reading bits and pieces from the history books or from a prophetic book. I'm reading a Psalm of praise. I'm reading the words of Jesus in the gospels. And then I'm reading an epistle or like the application of Jesus's teachings and doctrines. I probably spend, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that. And then we'll pray. My prayer is to use the Lord's prayer as a model. In one sense, you can use the literal prayer itself if you want, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But I also think that if you just look one layer below the surface on all of those items that he goes into, that he's talking about recognizing your sonship in the very beginning. He's talking about praising God and recognizing his holiness. He's talking about submitting to the lordship of Christ and, and submitting to his purpose, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, give us daily bread, provide what I need, help me to recognize what I need. And ultimately you are what I need because he said, I'm the bread of life. You confess your sins, you know, forgive us our trespasses. And as we forgive others, so it's a time to say, God, am I holding anything against anybody? Is there somebody I need to forgive? Lead us not to temptation. And that's like, Lord, help me not just to repent after I sin, but to be smart enough to not get into it. Because if you're not tempted, then you won't sin. Deliver us from evil. And that's a, that's a prayer specifically against the enemy. I need to put on the armor of God every day. This is not in every recorded Lord's Prayer, but yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Again, recognizes that it's all about him. It's not about me trying to build my kingdom. It's just about me pointing all my efforts and energy in my life's direction towards him. We love you like crazy. Be free.